This program is sponsored by the Psalm 127 Fund. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Zion's sake, I'll not hold my peace. Welcome to For Zion's Sake. Isaiah 62.1 is taken directly out of the Hebrew Scriptures when the prophet Isaiah declared, For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not keep quiet, until her righteousness goes forth like brightness and her salvation like a torch that is burning. Your hosts for the program are Shelley and June Volk, Jewish believers burdened to see Jew and Gentile become one. Believers strengthened in their faith and for their Jewish kinsmen to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. Good evening to you. Bless the Lord and welcome to For Zion's Sake. We thank you for joining us. We're the Volks. My name is Shelley. And my name is June. Hi, everyone. It's a privilege and honor to continue a theme that we started on Monday. And that theme is basically one word, partakers. We're going to be looking at the scriptures that speak about us partaking with God to see his purposes accomplished. I just want to give the uh, definitions from the Greek for the word partaker. It means participant, a sharer, fellows, partners, companions. And one of the words in Greek for partake is koinonia, which means having things in common. So that really is a description of what a partaker is. We started the week by speaking about We are all called to be the servants of God. And somehow we look at things from an official or legalistic view. And God's view is so much more personal than ours. For example, Abraham and Moses were two very faithful and obedient servants. And God in both situations with Abraham and and Moses, he calls them friends. As far as the church goes, it says in Acts 20, 28, the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So God has laid down his life for the church. So there's an intimate, intimate relationship. The first part participation we spoke about was in Second Peter chapters, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 8, where God calls us to be a partaker of his divine nature. That means part of his nature is humility righteousness, holiness, that we could participate in those things which must come in, which must come into us because in and of ourselves, we, we are not humble. We are not righteous other than our self-righteousness and we're not holy. But God opens the door for us to be partaker of his divine nature, including those things. We read from Hebrews 3.1 that God, part- God wants us to be a partaker of of the heavenly calling that he has opened to us. And after all, we read in Ephesians 1 that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. We see Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 speaks about setting our affections on things above. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, we see that we are citizens of heaven. So there's every reason to have a heavenly and holy perspective. We spoke from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 13, and i just like to uh, 
read it again. So that was the most recent one we read. I'm sorry. First Peter chapter four. Let me get this right. First Peter chapter four. Um, verses 12 and 13. Beloved, do not be surprised at the very ordeal, the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange things were happening to you. But to the degree that you partake of the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. And we just mentioned, are we willing to be partakers with God? even in difficult situations that cause us to suffer for righteousness' sake. And we also brought out, Shelley, that when we suffer for righteousness' sake, the spirit of glory That's right. rests upon us. Right. And um, this is so powerful, Jim, that we cannot look at just the moment. That's how we judge things. But God has an everlasting picture before him. He's timeless, and he sees the end from the beginning. So today we'd like to continue with looking at verses that talk about uh, being a partaker with God. And as soon as I find it, we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 12. Okay, I'll be reading from the New American Standard. Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to begin at verse uh, 7. So if you're with me, Hebrews 12, beginning in verse 7. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they, meaning our natural fathers, disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them. But he... The Lord disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. I want to point out, we're going to go on in reading. But he, God disciplines or chastens us or trains us for our good that we may. He, God disciplines or chastens us or trains us for our good that we may partake of his holiness. Going on to verse 11. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterward it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness. Therefore, verse 12, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble, and make straight paths for your feet, so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all men, and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So we're talking about here that I guess the question we have to ask ourselves, Junie, how do we respond to the discipline of God? And I'm sure not many of us are aware of how we we respond to the discipline of God, which will determine how much we are willing to partake and add holiness into our lives. And Shelley, so many times... If we're not walking in the spirit, but in the flesh, and we fall short of the glory of God, which every man does except Jesus, we might not even be aware of it. So it's so important to see that a natural father might discipline us, judging us in something that we didn't do, or out of their own anger. 
But when God disciplines, he disciplines us for our own good and also that the very joint which is out doesn't get cut off but gets healed. In other words, if we did something wrong, it's parallel to the joint that we would see is weak in us that God is disciplining us. And if we've been trained by God, we'll understand that because it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. So the example I think of, Shelley, is King David. He loved the Lord. The Bible tells us that um, he had a heart after the heart of God. Jesus said he had the heart of King David, and yet David gave into his flesh with adultery and murder. That's unbelievable, Shelley. And when Nathan came to him explaining what this man did, that he committed murder, he committed adultery, King David said he should be killed. He turned against God, and Nathan looked at him and said, Thou art the man. King David was shocked that even Nathan knew, but he humbled himself, and he accepted God's discipline, which was unbelievable, Shelley, that his son died and the baby that Bathsheba was pregnant with died. But he humbled himself and cried, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. What is the point? The point is when God disciplines us, it's because he loves us and wants to correct us that that which is amiss in us, where we have not partaken of his holiness, but lived in the flesh, would be seen and understood by us. And that discipline will bear in us the peaceable fruit of righteousness that we might partake of his holiness. In other words, that's part of the transformation, living in the spirit and not fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. So the next time we experience something that we didn't expect after doing something for the Lord or sinning, we would be able to say, Lord, I understand that I'm suffering for righteousness sake because I obeyed you. Or, Lord, I see it was no small thing for me to get drunk. It was no small thing for me to live in fornication or pornography or adultery or whatever you know is against God's word, like King David, and you humble yourself before God, saying, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me that I might partake of your nature, partake of your holiness.
It's powerful, June, and we need to see that we very rarely, if ever, relate holiness and discipline. And the, the maybe we say this often, the litmus test is, if we accept the chastening or the training of God and understand it's for our good, we will be able to participate and partake of his holiness. And uh, one of the characteristics of God that separates him from men is the issue of holiness. That's one of his primary characteristics. And yet that gap that exists between God and man is accepting and thanking him for disciplining us, which allows us to partake of his holiness. That's the word of God. And what's so amazing, Shelley, is that in this generation, holiness isn't even preached as part of the gospel. Because, you know, if you partake in the world or the world's way, it's not holy. It's fallen, and we need to repent Lord, in your name, we pray for ourselves and for every listener. Yes, Lord. That we would become disciplined by you, trained by you, chastened by you, that we could be a participant and a partaker of your holiness. We pray this in Yeshua's holy name. Amen. Thank you for joining us this evening. If you would like to get in touch with Shelley and June, you can write to them at P.O. Box 1784, Scottsdale, Arizona, 85252. That's P.O. Box 1784, Scottsdale, Arizona, 85252. And you can also contact them on their website, ShelleyAndJuneVolk.com. That's ShelleyAndJuneVolk.com. Until next time, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. This program was sponsored by the Psalm 127 Fund.